Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into Best on the Board presented by BetMGM. We are here at the start of another week. This is the first show of the week that we're recording here on Best on the Board. What are we focused on? Well, at the end of this week, NFL Draft coming our way Thursday night, first round, Friday night, a couple more rounds, everything wrapping up on Saturday. So we have our eyes firmly fixed on that NFL Draft horizon coming our way on Thursday night. And so that's what we talk about on this episode of Best on the Board. Michael Beller here with you, breaking down the first round of the NFL Draft and all of the betting opportunities available to us with Andy Staples, who you know from Andy Staples and Friends, from all his great college football work here, here at The Athletic. Andy, what's going on, man? Oh, doing good, getting ready for the draft and kind of snuck up on me this year there's all this stuff going on in college football i haven't had time to uh to really break it all down as much as i usually do uh, there was just so much movement across college football. We had the condensed um, action in the NFL with uh, with all the uh, player movement. Uh, still really the sports world with baseball being so stacked up on one another with the NBA playoffs. There's a lot going on. So I'm right there with you that we have these uh, that we have this draft suddenly here upon us. And what is most sudden to me, Andy, thinking about this from a betting perspective, is how the odds for the first overall pick have shifted dramatically over the weekend. We did an episode of this show on Friday, just a couple of days ago, with Nate Tice. And Nate was pounding the drum for Trayvon Walker as the number one overall pick, at least who he thought was going to be selected as the number one overall pick. And on that show, just a couple of days ago, Trayvon Walker was plus 140 to be the first overall pick. Aiden Hutchinson was about minus 150, minus 160, somewhere in there. Now, those have completely flipped. You've got Trayvon Walker, minus 160, Aiden Hutchinson, plus 135 to be the first overall pick. So the wind certainly seemed to be shifting in Jacksonville. Yeah, and Dane Brugler was on my podcast a, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about it. And it's funny because you, you can listen, and and as I'm watching uh, Walker's highlights in real time, I'm talking myself into it because watching Walker at Georgia, you see the tools and you see what he could be, but you also didn't see a ton of sack production. Which, look, understanding that defense, they're not a big sack team. He doesn't play. A big sack position they have uh, kind of an edge player who typically they're going to have doing more of the you know the things where they try to get them open to rush the passer uh, and that was Adam Anderson until he got arrested Nolan Smith was that guy Jermaine Johnson actually would have been that guy for Georgia had he not transferred to Florida State uh, so that's that's who was doing most of the sacking or, or was supposed to be but I, I do wonder like with Walker, because he could be a good pass rusher, why they didn't do more with him after Anderson was taken off the team. Because they did need that at that point. It was a, kind of the only little flaw they had in their almost perfect defense. So that's the part I wonder about. And I, I know Trent Baalke, the Jags GM, 
the the comparisons between Walker and Alden Smith keep popping up. And Balky picked Alden Smith with the 49ers and, and got a lot of production out of him early. And if you go back and look at Alden Smith at Missouri, his uh his redshirt freshman year, he was off the charts good. I think he had like 11 and a half sacks. And I believe he was injured a little bit his his redshirt sophomore year, and that's why he didn't have the production. So, you know, he was a first-round draft pick. I believe he was a seventh overall pick. But a lot of that was on the production that he'd had the prior year. So, I, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting to me. Dane has, has been pretty steadfast all year saying that the top 10 in this draft might not be in the top 20 of the last draft or the next mm-hmm. draft. That this is... that. This is a draft with some good players, and it's actually fairly deep if you go down into the the later rounds. But at the top, it doesn't have as many special players. Walker seems to have some pretty special traits, which I think is is why you're seeing this you know this process where you've got Hutchinson, who is is a very good pass rusher, but maybe very close to his ceiling, and Walker, who has a higher ceiling and isn't there yet. Yeah, I believe Nate, when we were talking about this, and the reason why he was leaning in that way, said that you know Walker could be the home run. Aiden Hutchinson, he's a safe double, but Walker could be the home run, and maybe we're seeing uh, the Jaguars getting themselves ready to swing for the fences on Thursday night. The wide receiver position, Andy, has also been one of a whole lot of discussion in the first round for this year's draft. Uh, the the wide receiver over-under right now for number of wide receivers selected is set at 6.5, and, and so we know that that number is going to be pushed not someone in the very, very, very top of the draft, but we do expect to see three, four, five of those guys going off the board anywhere between pick, maybe at the high end, eight, nine, ten, at the low end there for those first four or five receivers, somewhere in the teens. So there's going to be a group. There will be a run on wide receivers. We know that for sure. This is another one where the first player at the position odds have really shifted over the weekend. Garrett Wilson, suddenly a massive betting line favorite at minus 200. You have Jamison Williams at plus 200. Drake London, plus 225. These three guys, just a couple of days ago before the weekend, grouped very closely to one another. And now we're seeing Garrett Wilson to start, start to put himself uh, with a little bit of distance between him and the rest of the position. How, how do you look at that? How do you look at the way that these wide receivers shake out toward the top of the draft? Well, I guess I guess everybody's looking at it the way uh, Mike Hartline, the Ohio State receivers coach looked at it because he had a he had Garrett Wilson Chris Olave and, and Jamison Williams in the same receiver room and Jamison Williams felt the need to uh to transfer to Alabama to get a little little less you know competition for for touches there so uh maybe maybe that's it I don't know uh, I don't know that you can go wrong with any of those guys I think it's it's really a matter of what you want Drake London is obviously mm-hmm. physically different than than Williams or or Wilson he's he's bigger and and, and stronger, but not not as fast as Will as Williams and and Wilson. But it's really it comes down to what you want. I, I don't think whether you're picking Wilson or Williams, I, I don't think you're going to go wrong there. I, I do. I, it, and they're fairly physically similar. You know, Williams maybe a little bit smaller, faster, game breaker type, but Wilson's gonna gonna catch the ball. He's gonna he's gonna get open. He's going to draw a lot of attention away from your other. He he can be an, a legit wide receiver one, and so I, I think that's that's a a good pick. Now I I me personally my favorite receiver to to watch in this draft and the one who I think may end up providing the most value is Chris Olave. 
uh, the other Ohio State wide receiver who he is just always open, always in a position to catch the ball, incredible body control. And I realize he doesn't have the, the physical attributes that these guys we're talking about have. And it's, it's kind of the same reason he was not as heralded a, re- a recruit as these guys were. It, it, it just His miserables don't, don't equate to theirs. But I think somebody's going to get a massive – now, it's not like they're going to get a massive value in the third round with him. He's, he's probably a late first-round pick. But you, know, you look at Justin Jefferson a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You know He got down to, what, number 20? And, and then was the most, one of the most productive receivers in the league. Yeah. And has already put himself in the discussion to be like a top three receiver in the yeah. league right now. Just a couple of years later. So uh, maybe we see a similar path there. Chris Olave isn't like that next tier guy. He's not going to be the first receiver selected. We know that. But after these uh, these these top three guys, then you drop down a big step to Olave and Traylon Burks at 20 to 1. And then there's another big step. So at least in terms of the way the betting markets are sizing up these receivers, Olave seems to be in tier two with yeah, Traylon and, Burks. Yeah, and Burks is, a, Burks is an interesting one to me because Burks is a bigger guy, but he's very fast. Like you can watch him running away from the Alabama secondary which yeah. is not easy to do. <laughs> and so at that size, that that's one of those you, you're very intrigued by at the next level because that he becomes a very difficult matchup. And, you know, because at, at Arkansas, he was clearly the best receiver on the field. You, all of your focus shifts to him. Mm-hmm. If you put him on a team that has a couple other legit receivers, you got a problem because you, you got you to gotta make some decisions at that point. And that's what we always talk about, too, with the draft is fit and scheme and how these guys end up with the teams that they're going to end up with and what they're going to be able to do with them. It has a big impact on, obviously, where they're selected, and that is uh, something that plays into the betting markets as well. The the position-by-position position betting is a little bit skew, skewed this year just because we have – we in most positions, it feels like we have a pretty good handle on who's going to be the first uh, player selected. And even a wide receiver, we're now starting to get that, and that wasn't true a couple of days ago. The one – spot where there still is I would say some um you know some interesting discussion to be had is that offensive line where you've got uh, Iki Aquanu at minus 175 Evan Neal at plus 150 then you take a step down to get to Charles Cross at plus 600 it's been about this breakdown Andy between Aquanu and Neal for the last few weeks where Aquanu's been a comfortable favorite but not an overwhelming favorite does that feel right to you yeah and, and it really comes down to who you want I mean like if you want to prioritize pass protection over run blocking, Charles Cross is your guy. Like that, that he you you would take him over the other two. Uh, if you want to prioritize ceiling, it, it's maybe Evan Neal's your guy. But if you want to prioritize run blocking right now, but also a very good pass blocker, that's Icky. And so it, it it's another one of of really how do they fit into what you do. And so it, it kind of depends on on the team, you know, which which team is taking this guy? Is it the Jets? Mm-hmm. You know, is it the Panthers? Is it we, we we're assuming the Jags are going D line? So yep. um, Michigan probably followed or Michigan, right? So that's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Detroit follows up with Aiden right Hutchinson with the Michigan guy there. getting <laughs> to stay home. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, now Detroit took an offensive tackle last year. They took Panay Sewell. So it, it, right. it makes sense, you know, right. and, and would, would Houston go offensive line? Probably not. Um, you know, maybe they would getting ready to, to, to move Laramie Tunsil at some point down the road mm-hmm. or have an heir apparent there. But yeah, I, I think, 
I think that really depends on on what you want out of your the guy you're taking. Because again, if if you are going to be a lot more pass heavy and you want to prioritize that, Charles Cross is your guy. He's been he's been doing pass sets sixty times a game for the last two years, and and really good at it. Giants, Jets, Panthers, certainly uh, where we expect the intrigue to start up at the offensive line position. All right, Andy, I want to take a look at top five, top ten, and first round prices. Just these are these are guys who uh, we could all see going one way or the other, so their prices are going to be right around that even money, and see what we like and what we don't like. So let's look at the top five first. Sauce Gardner, minus 125. Evan Neal, minus 120. Charles Cross, plus 300. Derek Stingley, plus 350. Malik Willis, maybe a team trades up and makes a move for him, uh, expected to be the first quarterback selected. He's at 4-1 to one to go in the top five. Any of those names jump out at you with those prices attached? Sauce Gardner to one of the New York teams, I, I would think, uh, because this is, I don't has he given up a touchdown since like elementary school? It's it, it, it's. <laughs> I'm gonna guess no. I'm gonna guess been, no. He's I don't been pretty dominant. So uh, Derek Stingley is the other one. I had the great freshman year at LSU, and then was you had the COVID year, and and you had an injury issue. But Stingley, I, I don't worry about being a good NFL corner. I think he's gonna be fine. But it does seem like Sauce Gardner is kind of the consensus first corner off the board. So I would think either the Jets or the Giants take him in the top five. Yeah, Willis is interesting only in that we could see both Carolina at six and Atlanta at eight maybe going after him. So maybe draft night jitters, there's a bidding war. Someone wants to trade up for him. Willis is the highest ceiling quarterback in this draft. Yeah, And it's not close. And the thing is, you have to be – that you have to have a plan for him because I, I, he's not a guy you want to to make your starter right away. He's right. you want to give him kind of that red shirt year like the Chiefs game Mahomes. So that's the question. And in Atlanta does seem set up for that. They, they've got yep. Mariota now. They can and and can you know they have him on a two year deal. Could probably if if they needed to have him start for two years until Malik Willis is ready. And I, I personally, I, you know, I, I've been thinking about it from Arthur Blank's perspective, from a business perspective, from a mm-hmm. putting butts in seats perspective. If Malik Willis is the guy I like, the ceiling on that is exceptionally high with a hometown Atlanta guy, yep. homegrown quarterback as your guy. And so, and, and Willis has the personality that he could be, he would be an absolute star in Atlanta as long as the football piece of it worked. And that's the part you don't know about. But mm-hmm. I think if, if you're Atlanta, you, you've moved on from Matt Ryan now. You've cleared the decks. If if you're going to do it, you're going to do it with Malik Willis this year. So that, that would make sense. I still look at the quarterback class of next year and go, mm-hmm. if you have somebody you feel like can get you through this year, just wait till next year. Yeah. Yes, it's a, a much, much stronger class that we're going to be looking at at the top of the draft next year for sure. So that'll be that's going to be Malik Willis is going to be one of the more interesting individual players to watch uh, on Thursday night and just what teams do if teams do end up moving up to try to get him, how teams end up treating him depending on where they stay. And if a trade up happens, what teams are able what that trade down team is yeah. able to get to uh, to 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 help a team move up most likely for a player like Willis in the top 10. Jermaine Johnson's minus 140. Willis, we find here again at minus 125, and that becomes a very interesting proposition at that point. Jamison Williams, plus 125. And then we've got Kyle Hamilton, Kenny Pickett, and Drake London all sitting at plus 135. Anyone there that you like? Well, I, Jermaine Johnson I, I love, and and there's a reason for that. I mean, the guy is just 
He, he bet on himself last year. He leaves Georgia, where he would have been part of the best defense in the country. He, was a, he would have been a rotation guy there, though. Wanted to play all three downs. Goes to Florida State, shows he is dominant on all three downs. He's a very, you know, obviously his, his pass rush skills are, are apparent, but he's really good against the run. He's a great edge setter. You know, he he is, to, uh, to name check the show, the best on the board. And that's, uh, I mean, he will be, when, when he's picked, he will be probably the best player on the board. You know, there may be positional needs somewhere else, but he'll be the best like, skill set that you can get. And so I think a team that, that is just thinking in those terms that this is a guy who can be very productive for us right off the bat and who can do all of the things we need him to do, I, I think that's a, a good pick. Kyle Hamilton's the other one for me. Uh, he's yeah. the one that I keep thinking, okay, Who's going to be an immediate impact player in this draft and and for a long time, Kyle Hamilton. And and when he ran the slower forty, I was just like, oh, this is this is hilarious because that means he's going to drop a couple spots and some team's going to take him and he's going to be a star, and and they're going to be like, wow, what a bargain we got. <laughs> Plus one thirty five is interesting to see on him, if only because like so many places, so many mocks that I've looked at have him going in the top ten. Well, and, and there's we a lot that- of there's a lot of things you can do with him. So yeah, you know it, it does. You look at it, there are a lot of different defensive schemes that he'd thrive in. So that's why I, I just, it does seem to me, as long as that 40 is not scaring anybody off, that he's still a top 10 guy. Yeah. That's the one I like the best out of all of these. And uh, like we talked about it with the wide receivers earlier. Like Jamison Williams is like all those wide receivers are going to be a beauty in the eye of the beholder situation where it's just like it's what what are you looking for? Yeah, what's for your preference? Out of, yeah. Out of this receiver. And so that like Drake London at plus 135. Like I I'm sure a wide receiver is going to get taken. Not sure, yeah, but, but I would but, be but willing to wants, bet a wide receiver's taken in the top 10. Who wants a big guy one? who can drag yeah. tacklers at that yeah. spot? Do you do you want that or do you want the guy mm-hmm. who can completely take the top off the defense. I, I, I love watching Drake London at USC because there were some times where it felt like there were four guys trying to bring him <laughs> down and they couldn't. So I I, I think he's going to be a very productive NFL player. Uh, Andy, let's wrap this up with a look at some guys who are uh, maybe going to sneak into the back end of the first round. These are to be selected in the top 32, so a.k.a. selected in the first round. I'm going to rattle off a bunch here. Let me know what you like, if you like any of these. George Pickens, even money, plus 100. Matt Corral, plus 105. Tyler Smith and Kyler Gordon at plus 110. Christian Watson, plus 115. Lewis Seen, kind of like this one. And Sam Howell at plus 120. The kind of like for me was Lewis Seen, not Sam Howell. Kyer mm-hmm. Elam, plus 125. Travis Jones and Sky Moore, plus 130. And then Brees Hall, do we get a running back in the first round? He's at plus 150. Anything you like If here. you're going to take a running back in the first round, Brees Hall's your guy. Yep. And and that's that's one of those if you've got a team that that is pretty complete there, you know, and obviously late in the first round you're probably a pretty good team. Right. Pretty complete but just need a productive workhorse back who can catch the ball out of the backfield and who who runs, you know, very violently. Brees Hall is your guy. I I like that as a, you know, like a 31-32 type pick. Mm-hmm. Uh George Pickens he is the the kind of poster poster child for better in the NFL than in college. Uh, he had injuries in college that caused him to not really get a chance to, to show what he could really do. He may be the most physically gifted receiver in this draft, but he really didn't get a chance to show that at Georgia uh, because he had the torn ACL. And so they're, they're going to the national title and he's just, he's fairly limited, got to play a little bit at the end there. But if he's fully healthy, 
And I do think he kind of rushed back from that ACL to try to get into that that national title run there. But if he's fully healthy, he may be physically better than the other receivers in this draft, which is saying something because they're all yeah. there's a bunch of really good ones. Yeah, this is uh, going to be a hell of a draft for receivers and just a fun one. You know, like we we talk about what you, what you reference with uh, with what Dane Brugler said on your show. There's um, you know maybe not the high end talent that we're used to seeing, but that's going to create for a lot of uh, tumult, I think, toward the mm-hmm. top of the draft. And Great. once things go off the rails just a little bit, things really can go off the rails. You get, so you get a live uh, bet this sucker. That's 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 yeah. the key. Is there there going to be some some rapidly shifting lines here? Exactly. You got to stay on your uh, stay on your phone for sure during the draft because there's going to be I think a lot of opportunities with how much this is going to change and how things uh, how crazy things could get in this first round. That's going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board. Thank you so much for listening. For Andy Staples, I am Michael Beller. Good luck. Happy betting. And we'll talk to you soon. 